0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And we have a topic to tell you about today. Incels, which stands for involuntary celibates, I believe. I'm hearing some background uh, noise slash music. Oh, it's uh, a lovely Greek Greek neighborhood. Always great for them to Dude, I'm not in Greece. Listen, back to the (laughs) intro, please. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And today we're going to talk about incels, which stands for involuntary celibate. This is an actual movement. People, they self-identify as incels. Why anyone would ever admit to this is still something I'm trying to figure out. I'm not making fun of them. I truly don't understand why anyone would self-identify as involuntary celibate, but we're here to understand and learn more about this mindset. Uh, in my, you know, the, we've, we've spoken a lot about racial tensions this year with uh, you know, the lack of understanding between the different racial groups but quite different, I think, is the tension, the sort of unspo- often oft unspoken tension between the, the sexes because different like racial groups, they often live in different neighborhoods. They often don't even meet each other. They don't, all they really know about each other sometimes is through the media. But when it comes to, um, you know, the sexes, they, we come from the same wombs, we come from the same household, the same neighborhoods, we go to school together often go through life uh, looking for ways to sleep with one another, right? Like it's a big part of life. So it's it's much more of a cold war in some respects, although it's becoming much more of a explicit, open uh, civil war between the sexes in the culture. And I see a lot of it kind of tying back to Elliot Rogers. I think in 2014, a young man uh, shot up, I think, a party at a co- on a college campus. And he, he had a manifesto saying that I think in essence, he's bitter at women, like he's bitter at women for being superficial and for not loving him for not sleeping with him. And this kind of uh, in my understanding of the of what came of this was that like, Elliot Rogers came to symbolize both like the incel, the sort of frustrated young man who feels life is passing him by, as well as coming to symbolize uh, in the eyes of many women, he came to symbolize a man who feels entitled to sex and just entitled to their love, which I think uh, simultaneously both points of views have a lot of validity. It is true that, uh, that uh, women living in the world often feel harassed. They are harassed. They're often manipulated. They often don't know if a man has good intentions or not. Even in the workplace, they don't know if, if they're, the men around them have some intentions or are infatuated with them. That all does take place. That all is true what also is true is that a lot of men who are feeling impotent they feel like life is passing them by and like they weren't invited to this glamorous party that is life and then they see beautiful celebrity women talking about how he the man is oppressing her they have a hard time uh uh finding um compassion and empathy towards her point of view perhaps so Uh, we're, We're here to reconcile these two points of view. We're here to solve the problem. And I can't do it alone. We've got an actor. Now this is a guy who he's so cool, it'd be hard for him to get in the mind of an incel. But luckily he's a trained actor, so he can find a way to get in the mind of an incel. And legend has it, legend has it that the day he got his first acting job, the casting director told him, say goodbye to all of your sexual frustrations. Welcome to Hollywood. It's Mark Pellegrino. Wow, quite an intro. Thank you, Rekha. You're welcome. And of course, we've got now this guy right (laughs) here. You know, legend has it, he looked in the mirror one day and he said, I don't want to turn out an incel. I don't want to be a loser. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to be the coolest guy that ever was. And he began to work on himself. This was all two weeks ago when he had this talk (laughs) with his mirror. And we're all very impressed with what we've seen so far. And today he goes around, he tells his story. And when he tells his story, people ask him, is this going to be on the test, professor? <laughs>
1: Please welcome, <laughs> Professor Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thank you, thank you very much. So you, you hit the nail on the head in the introduction that incels somehow are in the middle of attacks from both men and women. So many men ridicule them for this idea that you're losers. you you, you you, you don't get sex. Interestingly, the same ridicule also comes quite often from women that, oh, you don't get sex. Also, you'll notice quite often the term incel is used as an insult. So uh, these guys are just incels, right? But also what you mentioned, criticism about all the misogyny and the (laughs) outbursts of violence that we have seen. So let's make clear, first of all, what is an incel? So it is someone, a man mostly, who cannot enter a romantic or sexual relationship although they would want to. So for example, we do not include people who are monks or people who abstain from sex or, for other reasons. And why are they big news? For two reasons. First, because in the last year, actually in the last decade, the percentage of men who delay the first time they have sex, so they, be, they, they are virgins for longer, has actually increased. But also we've seen a rise, according to some pieces of research, threefold rise to the number of people who report that it's been more than a year than the last time they have had sex. And this was pre the lockdown. So I don't even want to think what this is just going to be with the lockdowns. Now, but also incels are also a movement, a milieu let's say in the culture wars. So it's a community of men who wouldn't consider someone who hasn't had sex for a year as an incel. They would say, this is not one of us. We are the ones who really can get a woman throughout our life. So quite recently, there was an interesting, let's say demographic research within the incel community, one of their biggest websites. And here are some of the findings that can give us some good food for thought. So the largest percentage of people who are self identify as incels are between the ages of 18 and 21. And the second largest group between 22 and 25. So first question that we need to have in mind Why is it that so early in life, someone becomes so pessimist about his his future? Then we see that 63% of those people say that they've never kissed a girl in their life. Now, what is very interesting is that the rest, 37% of the people who say, I've kissed someone, but it hasn't led to much beyond that. They consider by many people in the community as not real incels so the idea is look if you even kiss someone are you really one of us so second food for thought here does this become an identity then does it become an identity which says oh i am i'm more of a victim than you are therefore you're not really one of us third interesting perspective 95.4 percent of incels identify with the idea of the black pill this is something what we'd call close to philosophical Existential nihilism. So this is the idea that look, there are some hierarchies of power out there, maybe the 20% of alphas 80% of betas, whatever we want to call it. And we are stuck at the bottom of the hierarchy. So the idea is we understand how the world works. We don't buy the propaganda, for example, of romantic comedies, and we know our position and our position cannot change. And another couple of interesting statistics. So for many of them, their biggest problem is their height. That's why they call it height cell. So the idea is if you're short, there's no chance for you. Though interestingly, at least 50% in the community are of average high or tall. By the way, that's anecdotal. The biggest player and seducer I've met in my life is I would say short, not even average. But again, that's anecdotal. And also, many people say at least one in five incels Self-reported insults say that one of the main problems they face is hair loss or balding, and this makes them unattractive. Now, again, anecdotal, two of the biggest pickup artists and users, Neil Strauss, AKA Style, and Tyler from Real Dynamics, they're both balding. So you could find many elements here that says, look, people, things are not that bad. But I think if we do this, we're missing the big picture. And the big picture, from what I've understood, is that most of these people have are seeing the world through the eye that says there's no hope. There is no alternative. I'm in a static identity. I identify with this identity, and the world is stuck against me. If this reminds you something, it's basically everything around the identity politics today. Every group in the culture world say some form of this uh, narrative. Anyway, that was my long introduction. Back to you pick up whatever you want of these things and and
2: comment yeah i think this is a social phenomenon that's that starts with parenting Uh, uh i think children are taught ultra fragility uh they're they're isolated from risk their parents are protecting them from risk they're not as social so they don't know how to engage and solve problems with with people their own age i mean when i was growing up Uh, Back in the dark ages, uh, your parents sort of let you go and you spent a lot of time with kids. You spent a lot of time with unsupervised time with children working out problems, you know, you know, getting your butt kicked kicking somebody else's butt resolving issues in whatever way and you learn to form social bonds and you learn the way the world works. But I think on from, from an early stage, kids are learning that they're fragile and their parents are teaching them risk aversion. And they're also trying to endow their, they're also trying to create a self-esteem that doesn't come from a, a value acquisition or, or, or being assertive with reality, but comes from simply being. And then they discover a world out there that's very different. And and through academia, learn that hey, the, the 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 world is stacked against you. Look, the whole thing is composed of power structures and dominant structures, and you're you're either at the top or the bottom. And so it's created it's also linked being at the bottom of these dominant structures with some sort of moral authority, and it's creating a movement of people trying to assert oppression, trying to assert. Determinism, trying to assert the means over which the reality and life has, has sort of conquered them. And this is, this is a badge of courage and identity, like you said. It's a badge of, oh, look at me. I'm a human being. Everything is against me. Well, you know, um, that, that's a very scary combination of elements that creates a lot of disaffected, unhappy, resentful human beings and impotent human beings as well.
0: Yeah, I tend to say no matter how bad life at home is, almost, almost as bad, like there's a certain degree of abuse, I suppose, that may like impair a person's ability to overcome. But I would <coughs> say in, in the vast majority of cases, no matter how badly you're sort of um, brainwashed or sent confusing messages in the home, all of that is not necessarily a kiss of death if your education is rational. If you go into school, and you're taught, okay, here are facts, here's how to identify them. You as an individual alone can learn what's true. Um, just all of that. Here's what's in your control versus what's not in your control. You know, uh, Stephanie Bond in the chat room, they love, when we, they love when we engage with the chat room. They meaning not women, but uh, our producer behind the scenes as well as the user. She says, someone who wants to be in a relationship, but isn't willing to do the work to be likable is not focusing on the part of the question Within his control. There it is. Serenity prayer. What I can change versus what I cannot. Um, if and then, you know, on top of that, altruism, of course, says kill or be killed, you know, be moral and a victim, or make others your victim. That's what altruism leads to, whether people spell it out that way or not. So we see a lot of men, you know, a lot of boys grow up to become sort of predatory. That doesn't mean they're all literally predatory which could be you know held against them in a court of law but just the way they look at other people it's 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 a no-sum game Uh, versus the Mm -hmm. versus the guys who who just choose to be victims and feel like they're morally um you know uh squeaky clean what's that mark
2: i mean i think and i think we also suffer from an eden complex a a culture-wide eden complex where we define the good by that which is unattainable we we define the we define a good world as that which is not the world, and good human beings as that which they are not. And so people have come to think that because they exist, values should drop out of trees like it did for Adam and Eve, after all. They didn't have to work for anything. It was, it was the fall from grace that made them have to work for things. And so it's right. It's these people who don't understand that values don't come to you. You have to go to them. And that's, that's the definition of living, is value pursuit, voluntary
0: value pursuit. So, yeah, and go ahead, Nikos, it's your... It's, uh, I'll
1: slightly switch gears, so finish what you're saying and then I'll go. On.
0: Well, like, whenever, uh, what, what often happens whenever we say things like this, people think we're talking down to everyone and they think, like, they go, well, yeah, I agree with everything you said, yet, you know, and then they kind of give an additional perspective. But I think, I mean, the, the point that needs to be made is if you don't have an explicit philosophy, like with explicit axioms, with explicit ethics, with explicit you know, uh, approach to how reason works and how an individual can uh, arrive at truth and how to choose values and pursue them. If that is not all explicit at one time or another, you're susceptible to contradictions. You're susceptible to other philosophic influences, which lead people to be neurotic. So yeah, people, they could say they agree with everything we're saying, but they might also believe much, which is not so.
1: Right. So, Let's, I'll play a bit, not Delvis Advocate, but I will offer a different point of view. So my buddy William Costello wrote a, a, a blog article which is called Step Your Dick Up, Why Incels Deserve Better Advice. And it created a bit of steer in the relevant circles. And he said the following more or less in this article. He said, look, if you are someone who is short, who has social anxiety, someone who hasn't had a paternal figure or male models to guide you. <coughs> and If you're someone who has already experienced 35, 36, 37 times uh, rejection, bullying, it's very easy to say, okay, bro, you just need to lift. You just need to go to the dojo and do BJJ and learn game. Having said that, all the, I think you should, I think this advice makes sense. But what he's saying is that for many of these people, these things do not resonate because there are problems there that cannot be solved by merely lifting or by merely listening to an advisor that says, read the Fountainhead or go to a join a dojo and do a bit of boxing to learn how to deal with with conflict. So here's, here's here's a question then. No one really wants to be, I hope so, the victim in a story, right? I mean, the culture invites us to do so. But I think if you said to someone, look, you're going to be, I don't know, Ryan Gosling, or you're going to be stuck on the basement, not experiencing this huge value that life has to offer through romantic love. I think most people would say, yeah, Ryan Gosling. So is there a point to the argument that says, look, merely giving good advice to these people that are very obvious things, sometimes, it's not gonna do it because there's so much stuck against them. And again, to go one f- step further on the devil's advocate, they will say, see how the times have changed. Back in the day, you were an average man, so live in a small town, you meet your sweetheart, you get married. Now with social media or, your, or Tinder or all that stuff, your sweetheart has access to men, mostly from the whole world specifically if she's at a status of, I don't know, a model or an Instagram influencer or whatever. So you have this, what they call this neoliberalism of the dating market that a few men monopolize the vast majority of attention from women. So even if she ends up with you when you're 35, you're not her best choice. So is there, sorry, you're not her first choice. So is there something to, to all these arguments?
2: I mean, I think it, that those arguments boil down to um, the person is still stuck with the way they feel, even if they make all these external changes. They still have these sort of deep, deep s- schema going on in this little scripts in their head about who they are and that informs their emotional life. Well, you, you it's so it's not about just learning how to box or do BJJ or, or, or picking up the right terminology to to have to appear to have more confidence in yourself. You may never have that kind of confidence if you didn't grow up with the kind of foundation that creates that kind of thing. You're, you're always, it's always going to be a cross to bear. It's always going to have to be something you overcome. And so you have to just sort of retranslate what happiness means to a person like you and what happiness is attainable to a person like you. And oftentimes they define happiness and success in these realms by 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 things that are completely outside most people's ability to achieve. But if you haven't had the stable home life that gives you a sort of essential sense of life that's really good, well, that's going to take a lot of work to overcome those feelings and you may never quite entirely overcome them. So you just have to sort of rest assured that happiness means this to me and it means something else to somebody else.
1: Sorry, Mark, just to clarify. Are you telling them then to lower the bar? I didn't 100% get it.
2: I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling them to not have the expectation that, that success means a, a conflict, inner conflict free world. That if, if, you, if you grew up in a fractured universe and you have a sense of life that's fractured, that may likely be permanent or some vestiges of it. You can really rebuild it with lots of hard work, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, philosophy, the right philosophy, but it'll be there. And it'll come up when you're stressed. It'll come up when you're less conscious. You know, it'll come up in moments. It it may even inform, (coughs) it it may inform every action you do, but you have the capacity to override it. You just have to recognize this will be a part of me. It sucks, but it is, I have that. So I, I live with it, I overcome it. To me, that makes me courageous. To me, that makes me better than the average
0: guy. You know, I mean, uh, everything is, is in a certain context, you know, so um, within your own context, you could win because it's not a competition against other guys or other girl against women, men versus women. Your life is yours. You have your own first-handedly chosen values, or you ought to have values that you're pursuing. And that's what I like about telling people, go out and take lessons in something or read this book. It's telling them, like, take a break from this you know, painting the world from a bird's eye view and with this whole structure in place and just kind of look firsthand at the world, get out of the house or get into a book and and uh, do something that's firsthanded and personal to you. Uh, you know, reading The Fountainhead, I think, is an excellent, uh, you know, excellent piece of advice to give people. Of course, it could lead to misinterpretations because philosophy and art are so powerful that, I think a lot of incels, as well as various other sort of uh, red pill type movements would say that Ayn Rand is on their list of influences. Of course, they grossly misunderstand Ayn Rand, but uh, it can be misinterpreted. But I, I think the, you know, probably the correct way to interpret the le- kind of uh, the, the beauty of uh, what you see in a character like Howard Rourke is he pursues what he's passionate about building or designing buildings and as well as at a certain point, having friends that he loves. And at a certain point, spoiler alert, uh, being in love with a woman, and then he doesn't sit there and say, well, is she only with me because I'm a successful architect? No, the reality is, you are an architect, you've chosen this for yourself, you've become one, this person loves you for your virtues. And you you know, he doesn't then sit there and say, well, what if she was never born? Or what if, you know, what if she wasn't at the party where we met? Or what if, uh, you know, I didn't get that call from the one client, and which led me to get this other... Uh, job, which then led me to become the architect that she loves. No, it's this is the context we're living in right here and um, and live with it and make the best of what's actually taking place.
2: Yeah, I want to just piggyback on that real fast. You're right. I mean, everybody's individual context is different and you're really in competition with yourself. I could look at somebody like LeBron James and this is this what I'm about to say, I think just, just describes the interconnectedness of humanity and how we help each other without trying. I can look at Uh, somebody as great as LeBron James. And I know that I'll never be as good as him at basketball, but his inspiration can make me my personal best. And and that's what I need to know. And that's what I need to attach myself to is my
1: personal best. And yeah, I don't want to sound paternalistic, but I think the previous thing that Mark said about how this this inner coming is always going to be there. I sympathize so much with that. I recognize this. But also, if you see it historically, if you see some of the biggest, let's say, charmers or seducers or whatever, if you if, if you listen to their story, nine out of 10 people, it starts with the same way. I was a social outcast. I couldn't talk to a single person. Like I'm, I'm doing a I've done like public speaking and TV till 2006. I was speaking in class and I would blush, Right. So it's it's. It's very important when you try to overcome. Here's a complication though. Society even ridicules this in men. So you're gonna be ridiculed if you're not a natural, but also you're gonna be ridiculed if you try to improve. So here's what would be my final two messages, let's say. The one message is, look, I will give the, 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 the stereotypical advice, go lift, go do BJJ, of course, unless there's like a problem, physical problem, try to do these things. Even if you are convinced that they're not gonna help you at all with girls, doesn't matter, it's gonna help you within. If if your potential is three, you're gonna get a two. Let me give another example. I'm running a, a module at the university on study skills. And quite often I have students, so it includes, for example, writing skills and presentation skills. Quite often I have students who come to me the first week and say, Nikos, I've got dyslexia. There's no way I can fix it. They say, look, let's try. If, you're, if at the moment you're at three, go at four. Isn't it better to be at four than at three? Or with the presentation, the same, t- the same thing. It's better to reach your potential, even if your potential is say five out of 10, rather than say, oh, I'm going to be forever at two. So I think it's wrong to say, oh, even without women still don't are not going to talk to me. It's not about that. Like the, that's that's proper self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from within. So that's the one point. And the other point is throw away this idea that you are a prisoner of your identity. This is so big today in society. How many times have you heard people say, as a black woman, I believe this. As a white heterosexual male, I believe this. As a person of color, I I've met a person who was so brave to stand up in a conference I was talking and say, I am an incel. I I found it super brave because this was a person who it was difficult for him to do that, right? But the introduction was, I'm an incel and as an incel, I believe this. I think this is a huge problem, right? No, you are not an incel and as an incel, you do this. You are who you are and in a month, in two months, in three months, you can be someone else. And again, I understand all the struggles. Mark has said he has experienced struggles. I have experienced struggles. Many people have experienced struggles. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's better than saying, Oh, this is my ceiling. This is my box. This is my prison. I'm going to stay there forever. Well, powerful living in the, oh,
2: It's very powerful.
1: Right. Okay. So do we take this as parting words then? Okay. But let me let me say one more thing then for, for parting words. So. In half an hour, we have the meetup of uh, IRAM Center UK. And today it's a special one because we haven't got the particular, mm-hmm. let's say specific topic or a specific guest. What's gonna happen is that the Lord Emperor behind the scenes and yours truly are going to present the new projects of the IRAM Center UK. When I talk about new projects, I talk about there could be shows, there could be people you know and you've seen before doing more stuff, it could be perks specific for members. It's going to be projects related to things that are going to add value to your life. I can't give a lot of, uh, Raj hasn't allowed me to give spoilers. So tune in in half an hour in our meetup. Check out the social media of, uh, of uh, Ayn Rand Center UK. Check out, check out also the meetup uh, page of Ayn Rand Center UK. Tomorrow we have a discussion on the election fraud. We're going to have one objectivist on the side that says this is completely BS. Someone else, if I understood well, on the side that says, well, this is not, maybe there's something there. In any case, it's going to be interesting. So keep following the work we do. Subscribe on YouTube. We're very close to 1,000 subscribers. And you know what's going to happen when we reach 1,000 subscribers. Raga shows up on a white suit and a fedora is it pink it is it is pink indeed and yeah i, I said i'm showing up with the leather jacket so it should be it should be a fun combination so make sure you subscribe find more people to subscribe we reach 1000 and we do this but more importantly when we reach 1000 we're going to be able to do more stuff with youtube more stuff in terms of the interaction with the audience anyway That was it from us. Very difficult topic today. But hey, that's what philosophy is for. Thank you very much. Thanks, Raga. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nikos. Thanks, Raka.